at the beginning of these stories, right, I used to get all these outpouring, like, oh, good job, you know, pats on the back. And I'm not saying they weren't genuine, but I feel like I really came into my own when that stopped happening. <laughs> then I felt like, all right, you know, like, I think I could do this for sure. Bonjour, Anine. Welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Cole Primo. And I'm your other host, Leah Lam. Miigwech for joining us. Native Lights is more than a podcast and radio show. At its core, it's a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Every week, we have great guests from a bunch of different backgrounds. We talk with them about their gifts and how they share those gifts with their community in that good way. And it all centers around purpose in our lives. And I can't wait to continue amplifying Native voices today. Cole, how you doing? I'm doing great. Anytime I'm here amplifying some Native voices, I'm doing great. Turning up the game. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, how are you doing? How are you doing? You know, I've been better. I've, I've been better. I love life and all of the uh, complexities and challenges and all that good stuff that makes life life. But dang, I tell you, sometimes, sometimes it piles up. <laughs> it certainly does. And I can't imagine putting on top of that being a, a mom and all that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I, you know, I look up to you on that. You're you're uh, shouldering a lot, and but I was you know curious what what do you do to you know combat the stress that you know inevitably happens every now and then? What what do you do? What's how do you treat yourself? How do you relieve stress? What's going on? I like that you think that I do that, but I do. (laughs) 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 No, I prioritize sleep. Sleep to me is like. Number one, I go to bed early. I, you know, we get our kid to bed like nine o'clock, and we're not too far behind that because I know, like, I've done all the overnights, I've done, you know, studying all night, I've worked overnights, and I know how important sleep is to me. So there's that. Also, I am in therapy, which is amazing, and I love doing that, and I'm proud of it. So that is also a good way to, yeah, help relieve some ooh, anxiety and stress and stuff like that. How about you, Cole? Sleep. I totally agree with you. 6.5 hours is my absolute minimum of sleep. You got to get your sleep. That's a good thing. And I also like now that I'm in my you know mid, mid-30s, mm-hmm. I do like to go to the barber and get my the beard trimmed and, you know, just sit there and relax while I trim your beard. And also, you know, you got the trusty sweet grass nearby to just throw it on and mm-hmm. get leveled out and just mm-hmm. at peace a little bit. That's a good way to relax and, and get right with yourself. Yeah. Well, this week, I am very excited to speak with our guest. Just another way to relax and release some stresses, to have those good conversations, to to take some time to visit. And yeah, yeah, today is no different. Matthew Holding Eagle III is our guest today. Matthew is a citizen of the Mandan, Hidatsa, and Arikara Nation, which is federally recognized as the three affiliated tribes in Western North Dakota. And Matthew started his career 
in construction before pivoting, jumping to journalism, running, I don't know. (laughs) He received his bachelor's in mass communication from Minnesota State University, Moorhead, and he worked as a producer on the PBS documentary Black Gold Boom about the oil boom in western North Dakota. Now, Matthew works at NPR as a news reporter, And some of our friends here might not know that I actually now work with Matthew. I recently started a position at NPR News. It's invigorating work, challenging, and exciting. So I'm happy to be chatting today with an amazing voice that shares his gifts to explore and tell Native stories. He's covered Indian country in Minnesota quite a bit, and he's also received a National Native Award from the Indigenous Journalist Association for his reporting. ho Let's welcome two Native Lights, Matthew Holding Eagle III. Boujou! Like Leah said, I'm a member of the MHA Nation, Mandan Hadatsa Rikra, out in western North Dakota. I am a reporter for NPR News. I cover the northwest. I cover Northwest Minnesota out of the Bemidji office. I've been there about a year and a half, and in that time, I've uh, covered a lot of uh, stories in Indian Country and outside of that as well. Um, I have a senior in high school, so I I reside kind of in between Bemidji and Fergus Falls. So I've found myself um, responding to requests for me to cover other news, like in this area. Uh, like with, when the officer was killed in Fargo and uh, when a tornado totally destroyed uh, Forada, Minnesota. Uh, I was there for that. Uh, so I'm pretty spread out. And, um, you know, to, to compound that uh, before the Native News team, um, I was also invited to other communities like uh, Prairie Island Indian Community for the first um, Bark Lodge in, a, I think it was 150 years that they were they constructed. Uh, and uh, currently, uh, just recently, I uh, was down there for um, like an energy story uh, with them building a, a solar garden with um, uh, Solar Bear, uh, Robert Blake's company. Uh, how are you doing? Like, how's the family doing? I'm doing really well. Um, I uh, The adjustment over, uh, I, I worked at a small community newspaper for five years, um, and I was kind of like the behind-the-curtain editor uh, because the... The, the the guy that got the job initially he was a uh, he had a history degree and um i kind of a nerd i always liked uh grammar and then a- ap style learning that in college i i really uh, grasped onto that pretty easy and uh he didn't know anything about ap style so if anybody that you know is in the know there ap style is kind of like the uh the secret handshake in, in the business so uh if you have a reporter or an editor and they're reading a newspaper especially the small community newspaper, if, uh, you know, you, they don't check all the boxes there, it looks very uh, amateurish. So, um, you know, I like credibility to, to that, uh, that organization. Uh, but for the longest time, nobody, nobody knew I was the editor, I was just the secret editor. And that was fine because uh, pretty, pretty much an introvert. And I didn't want any attention. Uh, so he would handle the, uh, like the outward face stuff. And I would handle the, the behind the scenes uh, other things. Uh, and I always, uh, I would, I would work with the reporters and I had communication with the porters, reporters, many of uh, who I still talk to to this day. Matthew, we always like to kind of start out our conversations by hearing what's on the top of your mind. Yeah, well, um, I don't want to be a bummer or anything, but this week, I think some of the biggest news has been uh, abduction, if you want to call it, of an 11-year-old in Bemidji uh, who was taken to a house 
and uh, assaulted uh, and a bunch of really you know, uh, negative uh, details that I, I won't really get into, but I've been kind of uh, talking to uh, members of the community in Bemidji and sources and trying to find out what's going on. Uh, initially, there were reported to be three people or two other people with the victim in the house. And then the, the police just released a, a statement saying that uh, one of the uh, people said she's not a victim and she was not a minor. She was uh, she's an adult and that there was no third. So I was really concerned about that for for since I heard about the story uh, about uh, potentially two other people out there uh, being accounted unaccounted for. And I was trying to you know figure out what was going on and wasn't resting real easy with me. Um, so but. You know, uh, uh, silver lining and all that is that according to this police report, you know, so, but we don't know everything yet. And who knows, you know, I, I imagine, I imagine there's other victims out there as well. I can imagine those stories uh, over time, like when you're covering hard topics, how, how does that go with you when it comes to like being, seeing all these negative stories or issues like that? So for me, I've kind of rationalized it. Um, I used to, I used to kind of be a hellraiser in my, Younger, younger years. I'm older now. And I feel like, um, I don't know, I, I kind of feel like it's for being immature and, and maybe, you know, putting all this negative energy out into the world. And now where I'm at, uh, being able to, to, to redirect that into something positive. Um, I feel like maybe it's like some of my karma for, for those, you know, for being younger and being dumb and being stupid, you know, doing stupid things. Uh, but sometimes it's really hard. You know, I'm not going to lie. You know, sometimes I, can't sleep very well or, you know, wake up and with, with these thoughts on my head. Cause I'm the older I've gotten, I don't know about uh, you, Cole, but I've, I feel like I'm more uh, empathetic. Like I can uh, relate to people more and I feel more. Whereas when I was a younger, younger man, I, I was very selfish and I didn't uh, take other people's feelings into consideration. And it was very, very easy for me to, you know, not even think about some of, you know, some things I did that had wronged people. Uh, you know, nothing serious, no murder or nothing like that, but, you know, just little, little bits and pieces that add up over the years. Um, so I feel like, you know, where I'm at now, um, I can fix some of that and I can, you know, um, write, like I said, write, write some of those wrongs or, or, or whatever. <laughs> That's so insightful, like to be able to reflect on that. I mean, can you tell us a bit? So you're journalist at Minnesota Public Radio out of the Bemidji office, how how do you spend your time with your journalism work? So I'll get like an idea or I've, I've been able to get some sources, uh, mostly from uh, Red Lake, the Red Lake Nation. I've uh, tried to uh, tell stories from White Earth, but um, getting my foot in there and, and getting responses from uh, some of the, uh, I guess, government officials or whatever uh, has, has kind of been difficult. Um, but with Red Lake, uh, some of the, uh, the first stories I told, uh, I've met some people that I've uh, stayed in contact with and they'll call me up and, you know, hey, Matthew, I have, you know, this is going on here. You should pay attention to this. Kind of like point me in the direction of what I should be uh, looking at. Uh, and uh, one one person in particular, we talk like once a week. So he, I believe he's a ex-tribal me- uh, council member up there. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> Something like that. So he had some pull. Uh, so he's still got his finger on the pulse and he'll, he'll uh, feed me tips and ideas or uh, we'll just, you know, meet and talk about things. Uh, and then 
Michael Muir's sometimes the PR guy in Red Lake. He'll 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 send some ideas sometimes as well. But um, I don't really have much of a relationship with him. Uh, and I was even surprised, like you know, for the longest time, I actually embarrassed myself on him in an interview one time. I thought the dude was uh, thought he was a native guy. <laughs> Turned out he's like an old white guy. But I had never met I had never met anybody that said you know, ahu ahu but bijou miigwech. I had met like where I where I come from that that doesn't happen. So I just assumed the guy was native, and uh, yeah, I uh, I embarrassed myself, but owning it now, so I could process that. I would be dri- I would be like Chris Farley driving down the down the highway and just like pulling my hair like oh stupid like what is that? <laughs> and it it happened for like a, like a long time longer than it should have. I caught myself like watching YouTube videos on how to process, you know, feeling feeling embarrassed and feeling stupid. But uh, I think I'm better now. Uh, I'm over that. You know, Michael's a good guy. And uh, yeah, we just move on. <laughs> well, <laughs> we don't mention it anymore. Yeah, you don't mention it anymore except right, for right. with us here. Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> <laughs> let's just, you know, let's reopen those wounds. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Native Lights where indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're speaking with Matthew Holding Eagle III. Matthew is a citizen of the Mandan, Hidatsa, and Arikara Nation and is a journalist. Matthew, do you have a journalism philosophy or vision when it comes to your work? I guess I would say that it's more um, fundamentals, you know, uh, accuracy, credibility, following through, you know, being thorough, all the stuff, you know, all the things that they teach in journalism school. I think that's kind of what it is. Uh, I really have uh, a sweet spot for like, you know, anything injustices against children or animals like you know it, it doesn't have to be an injustice i you know i like covering i, I think i've covered like two pet uh, pet clinics that red lake nation did for vaccinations and uh spay and neuter clinics um so anytime i can you know get in there and tell a story about that i, I really enjoy that um but you know one of the go, to go back to like one of the hardest stories was coming from a straight small community newspaper and having to go to Ferreira, minnesota where like the city was totally devastated by a tornado and then, you know, uh, staying in contact with my editor and meeting the photographer and like our circulation, I, th- I think it was like 4,000. So it's really, it was really, really small. And then basically being guided on this big, big story, probably the biggest for me uh, in my career and, uh, you know, going to this, uh, you know, uh, devastation and, and basically like, okay, well now you're there. Uh, can you, you know, could you possibly find someone to talk to, you know, that was there in the tornado? And I just remember feeling like so overwhelmed, like, like, how am I going to do this? Like, and I was intimidated that, you know, the, 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 the uh, law enforcement presence and, and, uh, and all the, like the FEMA and, you know, all this presence was just so intimidating to me coming from like this small community newspaper. And I just, I just remember talking to myself, you know, and just being like, come on like you could you could do this like come on you could do this and then the photographer showed up and i had already walked down there and i had like gone into an area to to try to find people and i came up and we met and he's like oh you've been down there already i was like yeah he's like okay so like you want to go back down there i'm like sure so we kind of like one on uh, work together and we we just worked like block by block and a lot of people didn't want to talk to us and a lot of people didn't want to talk to us and then uh, one guy we met outside, he was working on his foundation and uh, he he ended up talking to us and it was, man, when he told the story and you could see like uh, the trauma, you could see him transported back 
to to the moment when he's describing the tornado, like it was really quiet, you know, it was really loud, loud, loud. And then it got quiet. It got quiet. And then everything just started shaking. Everything was going crazy. I think that was the realest moment for me. Like, wow, this is the gravitas of this is, uh, I don't know. It was exciting too, though. <laughs> it was really horrible. But at the same time, I like got, a, I got, a, I got like this rush. And it's like this, I don't even know how to explain it. This weird little dichotomy where, it almost feels inappropriate, you know, for, for, for feeling that adrenaline rush while someone's feeling so bad. But at the same time, it's like you go up to somebody and you're like, uh, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, you know, on the worst day of their, one of the worst days of their lives, you know, and, and then you're like, you know, but you want to talk about it? You want to share your experience? So that, that part was a little difficult coming in from the other job. And now I feel like my experience has given me, uh, I know how to handle that a little better. I've been in, more situations that were horrible, more situations were positive. And everything's been a learning experience in this year and a half. And uh, I've definitely grown. I've definitely evolved. And uh, I could def- I definitely have the tools now to, to, to handle that better. Yeah, that's great to hear. And there's this sense of you don't want to chase trauma and you don't want to re-traumatize people. And how do you do that when you're trying to express, you know, an authentic demonstration of what is going on in an area um, and, and the significance of what's going on in an area without, in a sense, hurting the people there. Right, you know? right. And we deal, we, we work with that a lot with just covering, not just, with covering Indian country, you know, trying to you know, we inevitably end up on some trauma somewhere, but also this like healing and strength and stuff like that on the flip side. So how do you, how do you approach that? I think my life experiences and not having been a journalist uh, right off the bat, right out of uh, college and, and going and living life and, and doing things and being exposed to things. I think that helped me, you know, just to take it back to that tornado story in particular, the guy was a blue collar worker. So I had a blue collar, you know, background. I just talked to him and I told him, you know, I come from a blue collar background and I know it's hard for guys like us to talk about our feelings and, you know, show emotion and and show weakness. And I get it. And you don't have to talk to me, you know, but I feel like people could benefit from hearing your story and people, you know, we might be able to get some attention on it. Maybe, you know, some state dollars or, you know, some, any kind of, of help. And he really took that to heart. And then even after, even after, uh, uh, that story, like we stayed in contact and somebody told me you can't save everybody. And that's probably true. But I think I could help that one guy, not necessarily save him, but I could help him. And uh, that was important to me. Like, you know, he called me around Christmas and invited me to go uh, uh, ice fishing and stuff. So, um, yeah, I try to be very genuine. I don't tell any, you know, I don't, I don't pull any strings. I don't tell people what they want to hear. Um, and I, I, I think I've, I've gotten that reputation, you know, not that they're in good hands, but, you know, it's going to be everything's going to be treated with respect. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're speaking with Matthew Holding Eagle III. Matthew is a citizen of the Mandan, Hidatsa and Arikara Nation and is a journalist. I was just going to ask uh, tra- the transition from print to radio. Just, I mean, that's a that's a that's a pretty big leap. I mean, you're still doing a lot of writing and radio, 
of course, but just can you talk about that transition and like how that experience was? Sure. So a lot more uh, print, like unless you have like a quick brief, you know, you have a little bit more freedom with the words uh, for these scripts that we write, like every word has to mean something, you know, there has to be a purpose for everything. There's no room for, you know, uh, wasted words or, or lazy words. Everything has to, has to accomplish telling that story. So that, that was, that was new. And then these, the, was it these news cuts, like these little spots that we call them, uh, just writing up summaries of, of what's going on. And, and just once again, just going straight to the point, you know, ideally 41 seconds long with a, with a, a, a cut from an interview or something, uh, very fast paced, which I like. Um, and then as far as like the technical side of it, uh, that wasn't too bad. Uh, just because in, uh, in journalism school, I had uh, taken, uh, I had worked with like Final Cut Pro and the audio part of that kind of, uh, there was, there, there's a lot of parallels, a lot of similarities. So I, w- I caught on to that a lot quicker than it, I think kind of surprised some people. Um, but other than that, like I've, the, the, the pacing of, of writing for the radio is, is, is way different. You, like I said, that, that, that was probably the biggest part. Um, and the, the biggest issues or the, the biggest, um, difficulties I had were like these things we call raps. Uh, I, I just can't, I had a hard time, um, getting these leads down, but now I've, I've written quite a bit, a bit of them now. So I feel way more comfortable. Um, yeah, but it was, it was challenging and I felt really overwhelmed at the beginning, but now I, I am gotten a lot of positive feedback. I know, I'm sure no, every, not everybody's lying to me. So I think it, I think they're telling the truth. Uh, but I feel that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm holding my own, um, uh, broke some stories with Melissa Olson and, uh, other like, uh, voice some things for national public radio, which I never imagined like would like, that's crazy to me. Like I used to listen to NPR and NPR, you know, driving up to, to, uh, Moorhead uh, every day for college. And, uh, now to be, you know, in, in that company and, and in those spaces, like, wow, I can't, I can't believe it. It's, uh. It floors me even now, you know, where I come from, just where I'm at right now. Like I, I, I'm six. Yeah. That, that's a success. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. Uh, I started Minnesota native news like four or so years ago. And that was my first, uh, adventure into voiceover and using your voice for work. And I, I remember listening to myself the first time, like, why am I speaking so dang fast? Like, did you have to, did it take a while to, uh, you know, find your voice to calm down and just to, to get into it? it? It did. I feel like at the beginning I was more robotic. You know, I had mm. this, uh, I had this, uh, I guess sound or, or this, this vision of what I thought radio people were supposed to sound like. And I, I think I was trying to emulate that instead of being myself. And I you know, probably uh, took away from that. And it learned uh, as time, you know, just like anything else, repetition, repetition, repetition. The more I did it, the more comfortable I got and the more at ease I got. And, you know, I, I, I say that at the beginning of these stories, right. uh, I I used to get all these outpouring, like, Oh, good job. You know, clap, you know, pats on the back. And I'm not saying they weren't genuine, but I feel like I really came into my own uh, when, when, when that stopped happening, (laughs) then I felt like, you know, I belong here. Like they see me as a threat, which is good competition. And, you know, here in, in, at the job, it's good. You know, it makes everybody better. So 
that's when I was like, all right, you know, like, I think, I think I, yeah, I could do this for sure. Love it. It's so interesting to write for speaking, which is completely different than writing for reading. Is there a way that you learn to write for the ear? Growing up, I had a, a speech problem. So I had a list. And sometimes I think it's still kind of shy. It comes out when I'm nervous or something like that. That kind of like, even now I'm still self-conscious of that. So I'm always paying attention to that when I, when I'm producing, you know, uh, audio. So, but for me, uh, in the stories that we do definitely, uh, and it's the same with documentaries, right? Uh, ambient sound, Nat sound, right? That's like the best way. It's not necessarily writing for it, but it's definitely an element to it. And anybody that's been in, um, like, you know, radio or broadcast writing, writing into those, uh, those cuts, we call them, you know, writing into those are important, just as important as writing out of them. So that's very important to, you know, your question for sure. And I think in uh, radio, especially it's and documentaries, it's probably one of the most powerful tools you can use there. Let's take a step back, talk about what like inspired you to become a journalist. Like a lot of young people, right? Right out of high school, I, I was lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I had a pretty rough upbringing. I lost my father very young. You know, my my I love my mom, but uh, after losing my father, she she uh, she was kind of lost too, and she left me in uh, the care of people that maybe weren't so good uh, at all times. You know, and it ended up um, messing with me in my later. So I found myself uh, uh, self medicating and using uh, other things for outlets, right? Uh, and uh, that went on for a while, and then. Uh, I found a, a solid job. You know, I started doing construction. I had my first child at uh, 22 when I was 22 years old. He's uh, 22 now, uh, Matthew the fourth. Uh, and uh, early on, I got custody of him because of issues, right? And then I, I knew I had to grow up. I knew I had to like change my life. I had to do, you know, I had to start. You know, it wasn't just me anymore. So I started working construction. I worked that for many years. And then it was. Uh, I remember that. I remember. Oh man, it was like one of the hottest days. And I remember like looking, like looking up at the sky and just being like, like, this is like, this is my life. Like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Like, and then I decided I'm going to go back to, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to go back to college. I'm going to do it right this time. So I went back and near graduation, my advisor was like, okay, so what do you want to do now? What do you like to do? I was like, well, I like to write. I like to read. He's like, it sounds like you want to be a journalist. And I'm like, I, I think I do want to be a journalist. And he's like, okay, well, uh, let's figure out like where, you, where you're going to go. So we looked up some schools and uh, MSU is probably the place to go. So I'm like, okay. So then kind of, he just kind of directed me and I'm like, all right. So I, uh, I did it. I uh, applied, I got in uh, and uh, uh, it went really well. Excellent. Well, Chimigwech, Matthew Holding Eagle III, thank you so much for doing good work out there and reporting and amplifying Native voices. I truly believe that it takes a lot of us to do this work and supporting Native voices is just incredible. So thank you for the work you do. Thank you. Awesome. That was great. I couldn't help but get a little workshoppy about journalist issues. <laughs> but <laughs> that was a great guest. I, uh, Matthew has an interesting uh, journey that he went on and. I'm glad that it led to what he's doing now. Agreed. So, Miigwech, Matthew Holding Eagle III. 
I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Giggawapman. Lights Where Indigenous Voices Shine is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.